0: January 18th, 2022, and we are live. Welcome to the African History Network show. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. So, Dr. King Day was very interesting. Um, I was scheduled to speak at Davidson Elkins College in West Virginia. So, I got up, but well, let me, let me rephrase that. I ain't go to sleep. Uh, I, so, I did my show Sunday night, and originally I wasn't scheduled to do uh My show Sunday night because I was supposed to leave Sunday afternoon, but my flight was uh, canceled because of the weather. So I got my flight rescheduled to leave uh, Monday morning, 915 a.m. to head to West Virginia. So um after I finished my radio show at 11 p.m. on Sunday, I continued to work on the presentation that uh, I was going to deliver. Uh, the name of my presentation is Dr. King's Distorted Legacy, Reckoning with Racial Injustice. Um, we're coming to get our check. Dr. King's Distorted Legacy, Reckoning with Racial Injustice. We're coming to get our check. So I didn't go to bed Sunday night. I worked on my presentation and continued to watch episodes of uh, Eyes on the Prize because I have it on DVD box set and I usually watch Eyes on the Prize uh, this time of year because I'm doing presentations of Dr. King and doing shows, uh, episodes of, uh, you know, the radio show. And we're talking about it here on the show. So. Um, so I head to the airport at uh, about 620 a.m., had a 915 a.m. flight. I wanted to make sure because, I mean, there have been times when I missed the flight, just to be honest, especially early morning flights. And i said i'm not missing this flight because the college paid for the airfare they paid for the hotels so i said i'm not missing this flight so i get to the airport like a good two hours early and i took a picture of me uh at metro airport detroit metro airport and i was um across from the check-in station for um I was across from the uh, check-in station for United Airlines. So a lot of people saw the picture that I posted and they were commenting on that picture as well. I was tired. I had not been asleep. So I had two flights, one from Detroit to Chicago and then from Chicago to, uh, uh, Clarksburg, West Virginia. Okay. So the flight from Detroit to Chicago was fine. And I, uh, make my way to, uh, the gate uh in Chicago, O'Hare Airport, and we're sitting on the plane. And they tell us that there's a delay because the um, airport in Clarksburg is trying to clear the snow off the ground, off the uh, uh runway because of the storm that's hitting the East Coast, the winter storm that's hitting the East Coast. So then a few minutes later, they tell us that the flight is canceled because the airport cannot clear the runway. The the airport where we have to land in Clarksburg, West Virginia can't clear the airport. So the flights canceled that I'm sitting on. So then I had to get rebooked on a flight back to Detroit. So I fly standby. Luckily I was like the last person that they were able to get in on standby to get back to Detroit, to get here in time to actually do my presentation virtually at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I had a hell of a day uh on uh Dr. King Day. Okay. But nonetheless it was a good presentation. And uh I'm gonna let you hear an excerpt of it as well. All right. So on today's show so much to deal with. And uh we're gonna talk about these topics uh all throughout the week as well. So um there was an article from the Huffington Post that I posted on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel. Nicole Hannah Jones gives 1619 Project critics the MLK tribute they deserve. Nicole Hannah Hannah Jones, 1619 Project New York Times, and author of the 1619 Project book. So what was rich, it, you know, and I knew different things like this were going to happen. And we're going to talk about Kirsten Cinema and Senator Mitch McConnell tweeting about uh posting on social media about Dr. King or Dr. King Day. I mean, the, the caucasity of this. I mean, they they would have been better off just not saying anything. But this story right here that, that we're going to discuss today, Nicole Hannah Jones talked about how she was invited uh on Monday. Uh Dr. King Day, Nicole Hannah-Jones, the author of the best-selling 1619 Project, posted on Twitter, uh, on a Twitter thread, explaining that she was invited to give a speech about Dr. King, but a small number of members of the group hosting her claimed her presence, her presence dishonored the civil rights icon. Some people, I don't know who these people were. I don't know what these people have read about Dr. King. Obviously, you never read "Where Do We Go From Here: Chaos of Community." Obviously, you don't know Dr. King was the most hated man in America when he was assassinated. Okay. Obviously, you you never read uh, letters from a Birmingham jail where he talked about the problem with the white moderates. But but you had some you had some people who said that Nicole Hannah Jones' presence dishonored Dr. King's. Uh dishonored uh Dr. King. Okay. So what she did was she read uh, of speeches from Dr. King and was addressing their issues and concerns, but these people thought it was actually her words. Nicole Hannah Jones decided the best response would be to quote Dr. King accurately by reading excerpts of his speeches without mentioning explicitly that they were his words. Okay. She tore, she tore their behinds up. This is how ignorant many people are first. Nicole Hannah Jones said that Dr. King noted like her that 1619 was the year was the year, the first uh, black slaves were brought to America. She also said she purposely used the term black instead of Negro as was common in Dr. King's time to prevent people from making the connection before her big reveal, we're going to talk about this because one, this 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 deals with. You see, see, and I, I do a two and a half hour lecture dealing with the distortion of the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The revolutionary would not be televised on the television. All right, because Dr. King's legacy is distorted. Okay, we'll deal with this on the other side of the break. We're gonna talk about the showdown in the Senate over voting rights. I'm gonna let you hear from Representative James Clyburn who said he's had enough and we have a lot more. I'm Michael M. Hotel. we'll be back in a few minutes. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A
1: chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to
0: nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. Mental health and well being have long been a taboo subject in the so called African American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post traumatic slave syndrome.
1: We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma.
0: Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9:10 10 a.m. The Superstation, the future radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Tuesday, January 18th, 2022, and we are live. Calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Okay. So uh, right before the break, a uh, piece here from... To this on our uh, facebook fan page the african history network nicole hannah jones gives 1619 project critics the mlk treatment they deserve okay i think some of them deserve the uh the the uh della reese treatment from harlem knight <laughs> but <laughs> that's just me okay <laughs> so first the, nicole hannah jones said that dr king noted like her that this that 1619 was the year uh, the first African slaves were brought to America. Now, we know we've dealt with this numerous times here on this show and in my classes. This is, so you're talking about in the British colonies, because the Spanish were bringing Africans into the territory we call South Carolina in 1526. OK, so it's important for people to understand this. But the British colonies, 1619, you're not dealing with. The information from dr david m Hotep's book the first americans were africans documented evidence in the african presence fifty one thousand seven hundred years ago i understand that so we're dealing with sixteen nineteen okay so that's fine uh she then and here's a tweet from her here is some of it uh here's some of what she said it was in sixteen in the year sixteen nineteen that the first black was brought to the shores of this nation now at this time once again 1619 none of the 13 colonies did they even have codified slave laws those first uh 20 and odd africans on the white lion pirate ship were put into a form of indentured servitude and they're going to be released after about three to five years but I, i understand what you're saying they were brought here from the soils of africa they came from angola um and unlike the pilgrim fathers who landed here at plymouth in 1620 a year later they were brought here against their will Now, she went on to say, wherever you see uh, black in caps, it's because I substituted out Negro to give it uh, to give to not give it away. not give away that she's actually reading the words from Dr. King that most people don't know. Most people haven't read Dr. King's speeches. The only speech they know about many of them is I have a dream, which is originally called normalcy. Never again. Then it was called a canceled check. Then late years later, it was called I have a dream because the speech was not about a dream she said for more than 200 years africa was raped and plundered a native kingdom disorganized the people and rulers demoralized and and throughout slavery the black slaves were treated in a very inhuman form these are words from dr king this is dr king they don't quote on the television now msnbc did some good coverage uh medi hassan and um joanne reed and and different things like this reverend outside they did some good coverage this year on dr king and dealt with the revolutionary dr king they did they did do some good coverage i have to give them some credit on that uh i think they could have gone a little further but they did do some good coverage um and just to show you something here i this is one quote that we posted this was on all in with chris hayes this is from uh dr king 1967 now and, and i posted this on our facebook fan page the african history network and my youtube channel michael mhotep also and i said um i wonder how many republicans are going to talk about this quote from dr king now this is from all in with chris hayes Mehdi hassan was sitting in for chris hayes on monday january seventeenth, 2022 and they did a, a segment about dr king gop laws civil rights icon while blocking civil rights now this is dr king in 1967 he said and this this is in his book where do we go from here chaos or community he said a society that has done something special against the negro for hundreds of years must now do something special for the negro okay and he wasn't talking about a dr king day either so they can't say well we got a dr king day no no they weren't talking no he's talking about economics okay so don't don't play stupid on us now okay and i and i I posted, I said, let's see how many Republicans use this quote from Dr. King since they want to talk about content of his character. You know, not just somebody by uh, the color of their skin, but the content of the character. That's within his speech. A council check later called I Have a Dream. But in the speech, he's talking about dismantling white supremacy and racism. Notice how they just skip over. That that whole commentary. From Dr. King in the speech, that's almost 17 minutes long, a society that has done something special against the Negro. And let me blow this up here. A society that has done something special against the Negro for hundreds of years must now do something special for the Negro. So I'm still waiting on some of the Republicans to, and we could say Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin for that matter. I'm still waiting on them to quote this from Dr. King. All right. But I'm not going to hold my breath on that. I'm not going to go on a hunger strike either. And you know, this comes, this is something that I talked about at Davis Elkins College briefly. And it was a largely white crowd there. Very interesting. Um, uh, there, but I know you have people, I respect the people going on hunger strikes. You have, you have, uh, Joe Madison, the black eagle. He's on, uh, 74, I think he's 64 days or 74 days on a hunger strike. Joe Madison, but, um, one of the things I talked about briefly in, in, in my, my presentation and also I posted on our Facebook fan page today, uh, the African History Network, I posted there the uh, article that I wrote back in 2015. And we updated uh, updated the article today. And it's called uh, Why Did Dr. King Tell Us to Redistribute the Pain? Understanding the Power of Economic Withdrawal. And we'll probably talk about this article tomorrow, I don't know if we have time to squeeze it in today, but um in his last speech, April third nineteen sixty eight Dr King said, we have to kind of find a way to redistribute the pain. He talked about economic withdrawal strategies, and he told the people in Memphis, Tennessee, the sanitation workers he told them to go out and tell your uh, friends and family to boycott heart's bread and Wonder bread and silk test milk and coca-cola. Because of that because of their discriminatory hiring practices, because of their discriminatory hiring practices, okay? This piece right here, all right. Why did Dr. this is why I posted, why did Dr. King tell us to redistribute the pain, understanding the power of economic withdrawal? So if you go to, we're gonna post this on the homepage of our website as well. OK, Um at our website, African dot com. Just click on uh read articles by Michael Hotel and my blog is there. But we're going to post this article right on the home page. So it's easy to find. But this is what we have to understand. See, he he ta- he called out corporations and he called for economic boycotts of corporations there in Memphis, Tennessee. And in this speech, Dr. King said we have to always anchor our external direct action with the power of economic withdrawal we have to always anchor our external direct action with the power of economic withdrawal. Okay. So what this means is when you have mass protests, like marches for voting rights and and the John Lewis voting rights act and the freedom to vote act, things like this, it means that you have to have economic targeted, sustained economic boycotts to target your opponent as well. Okay. And I, I deal with this here. So instead of some of us who mean well, instead of some of us who mean well, going on hunger strikes and doing our self harm, we should redistribute the pain to some of these corporations and put their cash registers on a hunger strike. Instead of us going on a hunger strike, because that don't cost them anything. Instead of us going on a hunger strike, we should redistribute the pain to some of these corporations who came out in, in July of 2021 and signed on to a letter, Saying that, that, saying that they supported passing the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, but now they have gone silent. And some of these corporations also finance and have donated to Republicans who are blocking the passage of the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and Joe, Joe Manchin's Freedom to Vote Act. So instead of some of us who mean well and are putting their bodies on the line, but you going on a hunger strike does not redistribute the pain to the pressure points where they need to go. We need to put some of these corporations cash registers on a hunger strike. And then you can have a conversation because we're not speaking a language that they understand. And we're not speaking the language that cinema and mansion understand either. You got to redistribute the pain, as Dr. King said. Okay. We'll, we'll continue this on the other side of the break. I'm Michael M. Hotel. You listen to the African History Network show. We'll be, we'll be back in a few minutes. Hotep everybody, this is Michael M. Hotep from the African History Network. Our Kwanzaa Online History Course Bundle Pack is on on right now. We have a fantastic promotion for you. Get our bundle pack of two online history courses that I teach, as well as my 15 lecture downloadable bundle, African History Awakens the African Mind from Mental Death. These are both from me, Michael M. Hotep, My first online history class is Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Kemet is one of the original names for Egypt. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles. There's about 100 articles that we cover in the class, over 200 slides that I put together as well. The and there are also video clips, including excerpts of interviews I've done with some of our historians and scholars, as well as Renoka Rashidi, Professor James Small, Anthony Browder, Professor Wafa Kamane, and Dr. David M. Hotel. In the second class that I teach, it's called Black Resistance Movements from the Haitian Revolution the U.S. Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, and Black Power Movement, 1800 to 1968. And we dig in deep and look at history chronologically from 1800 to 1968 and look at what leads to the Civil War taking place. We study the Jim Crow era, the Reconstruction Era, 1865 to 1877, World War I, World War II, Civil Rights Movement, Black Power Movement, this sale has been extended to sunday january fourteenth twenty twenty four and be sure to join us for our next class saturday january fourteenth two p.m eastern standard time the content of these courses is pg-13 so you can use this with your children as well it's not overly graphic i don't do a lot of cursing or anything like that it's very visual we also have video clips so it's very engaging Be sure to listen to the African History Network show Sundays 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Visit our website africanhistorynetwork.com for more information. And if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, whether it's for Dr. King Day, whether it's for African American History Month, Juneteenth, etc., visit our website africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. You can contact me through the website or email me at ahnshow.com at African History Network.com. Remember, right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win Wakanda Forever. And we'll see you in class. Uh, also, if you'd like to stop in for information you support the African History Network, Dollar Sign the AHN Show through Cash App. Dollar Sign the AHN Show through Cash App, also through PayPal, PayPal.me forward slash the AHN Show. Let's keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills. All right, we have to get out of here. Remember, right now is correct wrong behavior is not over till we win. We're kind of forever, and we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Welcome back to the African History Network Show. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Tuesday, January 18th, 2022. And we are live calling numbers. 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number. uh, If you have a question or comment. okay. so uh, right before the break, we were talking about this uh, article from Huffington Post. And Nicole Hannah-Jones had to give some people the Dr. King treatment or some people would say she gave them the Della Reese treatment. Uh, sometimes you just got to go off on them like Bella Reese did in Harlem nights when they came out the jail. (laughs) right. (laughs) And she told, and she's, she told the police kiss her and tie behind, sometimes you just got to do that. Okay. But anyway, (laughs) but Nicole Hannah Jones does it in a very dignified intellectual way and the people may not even realize she cussed them out till they get home and realize what she said. You know, she's, she's very, she's a very sophisticated intelligence system. Nicole Hannah Jones gives 1619 project critics the MLK tribute uh, they, des- they deserve. So if we go back to this piece here um, and she laid out in some tweets, what she said in her speech, and she quoted, she spent the majority of her speech actually quoting passages from Dr. King, but the people uh, who objected to her being there didn't even know she was quoting Dr. King because they haven't studied Dr. King. So we, we go, it, it goes on, this, this article goes on to say, um, white Ameri- she said uh, in her speech, white Americans must recognize that justice for black people cannot be achieved without radical changes in the structure of our society without radical changes in the structure of our society the evils of capitalism are real as the evils of militarism the evils of capitalism are real as the evils of militarism the problems of racial injustice and economic injustice cannot be solved without a radical redistribution of political and economic power, because this is what Dr. King was for. He, He was for radical. Dr. King was a socialist, by the way, okay? And he was for a radical redistribution of resources and economic power and political power. A nation that continues year after year to spend more dollars on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death, is approaching spiritual death. The crowning achievement in hypocrisy must go to those staunch Republicans and Democrats of the Midwest and West who were given land by our government government when they came here as immigrants from Europe. They were given education through the land grant colleges. Now, he said this in 1968. OK, he said this in 1968. And they talk about this in, in the book. Um, uh, uh, what's it, uh, how White Folks Got So Rich, The Untold Story of American White Supremacy. And I don't know where my copy is because I have three copies of it. I have the first, second, third edition. I don't know what the hell my book is. I got to find that. Okay. Did it fall down? I don't know where my copy is. All right, but anyway, those are the same people that now say to black people who were brought brought to this country in chains and who are emancipated, who were emancipated in 1863, without being given land to cultivate or bread to eat, that they must pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. What they truly advocate is socialism for the rich and capitalism for the poor. These are all passages from Dr. King's speeches. What they truly advocate is socialism for the rich and capitalism for the poor. We know full well that racism is still that hound of hell which dogs, which dogs the tracks of our civilization. We know full well that racism is still that hound of hell which dogs the tracks of our civilization. Ever since the birth of our nation, White America has had a schizophrenic personality of the race. She has been torn between sails, a self in which she proudly professes the great principle of democracy and a self in which she madly practices the antithesis of democracy. This is Dr. King. This is the revolutionary Dr. King. They usually don't show you on the television. They usually don't talk about it. Corporate sponsored lunches and breakfasts. They They don't go to those. One, I don't get invited. Two, I mean I could go, but you know, I definitely don't get invited to speak. I remember I spoke back in 2015 at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History for their Dr. King Day celebration. And I did my I did my presentation and 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 I and I deal with I dealt with uh uh, uh Dr. King trying to get a concealed pistol license in nineteen fifty six in Montgomery, Alabama during the Montgomery bus boycott, because Dr. King's house was firebombed twice in Montgomery, Alabama. I talked about the book. Uh, this nonviolent stuff that gets you killed by Professor Charles E. Cobb Jr., who was a, a field secretary for, for, for SNCC for five years in rural Mississippi. This book right here, that everybody should read, that the that the first installment of Ives on the Prize doesn't deal with this type of stuff. Um the second installment of Eyes on the Prize deals with the uh deacons for defense and justice. But the The first installment of Eyes on the Prize doesn't deal with um, the armed resistance that took place. Now, this is the preeminent book on the Deacons for Defense and Justice by Lance Hill, The Deacons for Defense. I talked about this book and I had it up on the on the big screen as I was doing a PowerPoint presentation. And I told him, I said, you trying to tell me that the Deacons for Defense and Justice are not part of the civil rights movement? because they were armed and they were protecting civil rights workers and sometimes Dr. King used them for his own personal protection or for the protection of civil rights workers. I said, you're trying to tell me that they're not part of the civil rights movement because as one of my teachers, Professor James Small told me personally, because he was there, he said the civil rights movement was not a nonviolent movement because you read this book right here, this nonviolent stuff would get you killed, how guns made the civil rights movement possible. This book deals with the armed resistance during the civil rights movement and how it was Negroes with guns protecting the nonviolent civil rights workers. So they would be over in the cars with the guns telling them, OK, you go do your nonviolent direct action. You go ahead and march. We'll be over here with the guns to protect you because they couldn't get protection from the police. Professor Charles E. Cobb Jr. was there. He was a, he was a field secretary for SNCC, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, for five years in rural Mississippi. If you know anything about Mississippi in the 60s you know that was very very dangerous work trying to register black people to vote you know that was very dangerous work okay and he said that any time they stayed at somebody's homes all because you grew up in the gun culture in the south so all those people own guns all most of those african americans own guns Dr. King owned guns until Bayard Rustin convinced him to get rid of his guns. Reverend Fred wife in Birmingham, Alabama owned guns. Raymond Parks, Rosa Parks' husband owned guns. Fannie Lou Hamer owned guns. Fannie Lou Hamer said she kept a shotgun in every corner of her bedroom. And the first white man that looked like he was going to throw some dynamite on her porch wouldn't live to write his mother. This is Fannie Lou Hamer. They quote Fannie Lou Hamer saying, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. They don't talk about the armed resistance during the Civil Rights Movement. So The second installment of Eyes on the Prize, in that second installment, they deal with the Deacons for Defense and Justice. They interview Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seale and talk about the Black Panther Party for self-defense, things like this. But the first installment of Eyes on the Prize, even though it's good, is more sanitized. But you read this book right here. You get a fuller understanding of the civil rights movement. If it had, had not been for Negroes with guns, and going back before the Deacons for Defense of Justice, you had Robert F. Williams in the Black Guard. And Robert F. Williams was the president of the remote uh, Monroe County NAACP in North Carolina, if I remember correctly. And he organized African-Americans into what was known as the Black Guard, and they were armed protecting civil rights workers, protecting African-Americans from the Ku Klux Klan, things like this. You 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 study that history, you get a much better better understanding of the civil rights movement that they don't show you on the television. But anyway, let's get back to this because we run out of time. So, the, um, Nicole Hannah Jones, quoting Dr. King, the people who never read Dr. King, said, "The fact is, there has never been a single solid, determined commitment on the part of the vast majority of white Americans." to genuine equality for black people. She said, the step backwards has a new name today. It is called the white backlash. It is called the white. This is what Dr. King said. The step backwards has a new name today. It is called the white backlash, but the white backlash is nothing new. It is the surfacing of old prejudices, hostilities, and ambivalences that that have always been there. The white backlash of today is rooted in the same problem that has characterized America since the black man landed in chains on the shores of this nation. Now we know because we talked about Dr. David M. Hotel. We've had him on the show here 13 times or 14 times, and this is a book here. The first Americans were Africans. Documented evidence. We know when African people first came here. We we were here before Native Americans came into this. We understand this, but this is what Dr. King is saying. So okay this This is good enough for this is good enough for right now. Whites, it must be frank it must frankly be said, are not putting in a similar mass effort to reeducate themselves out of their racial ignorance. With each modest advance, the white population promptly raises the argument that black Americans have come far enough with each modest advance the white population promptly raises the argument that black Americans have come far enough. And see, when you read a letter from a Birmingham jail, he, in 1963, he addresses this. And the white moderates and people telling them, you know, you're moving too quickly. For the good of America, she goes on to quote Dr. King, for the good of America, it is necessary to refute the idea that the dominant ideology in our country Even today is freedom and equality and that racism is just an occasional departure from the norm on the part of a few bigoted extremists. We'll continue this on the other side of the break Listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. Okay. right before the break, um, we were talking about the uh, this article here from Huffington Post. A lot of these other topics we will get to tomorrow night uh nicole hannah jones gives 1619 project critics the mlk tribute they deserve the 1619 project author reads excerpts from dr king's speeches without telling anyone that she was doing so they thought these were her words because they haven't studied dr king without telling anyone that she was doing so leading the audience to think dr king's words were hers but she was giving them a history lesson before we go back to this let's go to the phone lines let's talk Jerome, Jerome, welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for holding. Tell us where you're calling from. Do we have Jerome on the line? Hello? i from
1: Detroit Initiative. Detroit.
0: Okay, Jerome, go ahead. Thanks hey, for holding.
1: Go thank ahead. You for, uh, thank you for letting me briefly join the discussion. Uh, you know, you, you are the reason that we tell people to know their story because uh, they're using critical race theory specifically to guard against what you're teaching mm-hmm. um and and when you say the corporations I, I i wish you would mention the list of, of corporations that went back on their word when they said that they were going, weren't going to donate money to uh the, the uh senators and who didn't who who sort who of certif- didn't want the election certified right right
0: uh, now, i've talked and, about that here on they this went, show they
1: went back on their word and
0: yeah, I've talked about that here on this show. Let, let, uh, let's look at this article right quick from the New York Times because we run out of time, Jerome. I'm glad you brought that up. The name of this article: Corporations Donated Millions to Lawmakers Who Voted to Overturn Election Results. Okay, this is from this is from the New York Times, January 6, 2022. And it's a big article that deals with with deals just with what, what you're talking about. But go ahead. Mm-hmm
1: no student needs to be able to graduate from any public school or institution without knowing our story in its entirety. Mm-hmm. It's real simple. If, if they knew better, they would do better. And if they knew better, we would do better. Right, right. And keep bringing it.
0: Okay. All right. Thanks, man. Call back tomorrow night, okay? I appreciate it. Uh, many, uh, so we look very quickly here because we run out of time. Look at Everybody read this article here from the New York Times. We talked about here a number of times here on the show corporations donated millions to lawmakers who voted to overturn election results in voting to overturn election results because they donated to 143 of the 147 republicans who voted to overturn election results and um these were and they're overturning the election results of african americans they're overturning nullifying the votes of african americans when they do this latinos Asian Americans, things like this, but especially African Americans. Okay, many other corporations that have donated are household names, including Boeing, Pfizer, General Motors, Ford Motor Company, AT and T, and UPS. Read this article here for, for more information. And they get, deal with more companies and their responses because I, I don't, I can't get deep into it here. But we've talked about this before here on the show. Okay, um, go back to the Nicole Hannah Jones piece. The white backlash of today is rooted in the same problem that has characterized America ever since the black man landed in chains on the shores of this nation. This is she's quoting Dr. King, but people didn't know she was quoting Dr. King. She's quoting speeches from Dr. King. See, a lot of people just like to hear passages from Dr. King that make white people feel comfortable with the oppression of African-Americans. Dr. King was a revolutionary. Okay, whites, it must frankly be said are not putting in a similar mass effort to re-educate themselves out of their racial ignorance. With each modest advance, the white population promptly raises the argument that black Americans have come far enough, okay? For the good of America, Dr. King said, for the good of America, it is necessary to refute the idea that the dominant ideology in our country, even today is freedom and equality, And that racism is just an occasional departure from the norm on the part of a few bigoted extremists. Racism. Now, this is me. This is not Dr. King. Racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race coming out of the ideology of European white supremacy. Racism occurs when one race of people control the majority of the wealth, power, resources, privileges, benefits, land, access to education, access to opportunity, health care, education jobs, media, etc., and they use that to marginalize, subordinate, and do harm to another race of people, okay? This is what racism is. Now, if America does not respond creatively to the challenge to banish racism, some future historian will have to say that a great civilization died because it lacked the soul and commitment to make justice a reality for all men. Why do white people Seem to find that this is Dr. King once again, because people just want to quote passages from Dr. King that make them feel warm and fuzzy. Why do white people seem to find it so difficult to understand that black people are sick and tired of having reluctantly parceled out to them those rights and privileges which all others receive upon birth or entry into America? I never cease to wonder at the amazing presumption of much of white society assuming that they have the right to bargain with the with with the black for their freedom. I never cease to wonder at the amazing presumption of much of white society, assuming that they have the right to bargain with the black for their freedom. Now, Nicole Hannah-Jones said the audience did not seem comfortable hearing a ringing endorsement toward ending systemic racism and promoting democratic socialism and had no idea she was quoting Dr. King because they'd never read Dr. King in the first place. Okay. Uh, those watching on Facebook and YouTube keep watching for a few more minutes. We're going to keep going on for a few more minutes and then we'll do with the rest of this tomorrow night. Uh, visit our website, African If you like this type of information, also you can support the African history network because we definitely need your support dollar sign, the AHN show through cash app. And, um, Uh, also through paypal paypal paypal.me forward slash the ahn show right now it's correct wrong behavior it's not over till we win wakanda forever and we'll talk to you tomorrow peace all right um i want to let's see here well i'm gonna play i'll play a short excerpt of the presentation that i did um at the college We'll, we'll play a few minutes of that and we'll deal with some more of that tomorrow i want to get to some of these other topics here um there was a and we'll deal with some of these other topics here more in depth on uh tomorrow's show so there was a um article dealing with mitch mcconnell and mitch mcconnell um posted about dr king and he treated he got um a lot of backlash for this if we look at this piece from the independent mcconnell bombarded mcconnell bombarded with criticism over voting rights stands after posting martin luther king day tribute this is moscow mitch okay who Voted to reauthorize the Voting Rights Act in 2006, but was on the Senate floor today speaking out against uh, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act in the in the in the uh, uh, Freedom to Vote Act. He's against uh, passing these Voting Rights Acts now, but he voted to reauthorize them in 2006. And he had the nerve to post about uh, Dr. King. OK, so let's go to this here. And I'm gonna okay, let's see here. Let's change the title here. And also Kirsten Cinema, Kirsten Cinema, and I started spelling her name with three K's. Uh she had the nerd to post about Dr. King as well. Okay, so this is from uh, the independent uh, dot co dot uk. McConnell bombarded with criticism over voting rights stance after posting Martin Luther King Day tribute. Martin Luther King Jr. would be rolling over in his grave at McConnell's hypocrisy. Now, uh, Mitch McConnell has been branded a hypocrite for posting a tribute to Martin Luther King Jr. while leading Republican efforts, while leading Republican efforts to obstruct new voting rights legislation. Mitch McConnell was among several Republicans who took to social media, like uh, like Lindsey Graham. I mean, not Lindsey Graham, Marco Rubio, Marco Rubio, and then you also had um, uh, Carthy. We'll talk about little Kevin in just a minute. Mitch McConnell was among several Republicans who took to social media to praise Dr. King uh, on Dr. King Day. Mitch McConnell tweeted, he posted on social media, nearly 60 years ago, nearly 60 years since the March on Washington, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s message echoes as powerfully as it did that day, the Senate Minority uh, Leader wrote on social media. His legacy inspires us to celebrate and keep building upon the remarkable progress of a great nation, uh, our great nation has made toward becoming a more perfect union. What the hell world are you living in? What what was Dr. King's message? Because the speech, he's talking about dismantling white supremacy and racism and holding America accountable for a promissory note that African-Americans were given a 100 years prior with the Emancipation Proclamation and holding America accountable to the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution. So what... What message echoes as powerfully as it did that day? What what, what message are you talking about? Now, Dr. King's eldest son, Martin Luther King III, who was leading a protest march in Washington, who was leading a protest march in Washington on Monday, January 17th, Dr. King Day, said he would, quote, not accept empty promises in pursuit of my father's dream, not accept empty promises in pursuit of my father's dream. Martin Luther King III tweeted, "Um, this MLK day, I will not accept empty promises in pursuit of my father's dream. I do not want to see photo ops of elected officials if they are not willing to put voting rights over the filibuster. I do not want to see photo ops from elected officials if they are not willing to put voting rights over the filibuster. Today is a day of service and action. Congress must, quote, deliver for voting rights. Congress must, quote, deliver for voting, hashtag deliver for voting rights. Now, his uh, uh, Martin Luther King III earlier criticized elected from both parties for, uh, for tweeting about his father, quote, while standing in the way of voting rights, okay? And it's not just about the right to vote. It's about whose vote gets counted It's about voter subversion and it's about uh, these voter suppression laws that are giving power to state election boards to overturn election results at the county level that they don't like. Like in Georgia, SB 202. So is so this is beyond just somebody being able to vote is also dealing with removing obstructions to the polls. It's it is 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 restoring the uh, pre-clearance, restoring the oversight from the Department of Justice and the, and 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 uh, and the federal courts when it comes to changing the locations of uh, polling places. When it comes to determining how many uh, Sundays of polls to the Souls voting you have, or voting on Sunday you have, how many days of uh, of early voting you have. It's a number of different things that uh which was, was um, struck down when shelby county versus holder weakened section four of the voting rights act that dealt with the preclearance and that was targeting these former confederate states that had a history of putting obstacles in the way of the fifteenth amendment. So Martin Luther King the third said he he criticized officials from both parties for tweeting about his father quote, while standing in the way of voting rights, end quote, and called on filibuster reform to allow new voting laws to be passed. Now attempts to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which would restore protections against voter discrimination, have stalled in the Senate where Republicans such as Ted Cruz vowed to block its passage. A little slimy ass flying line Ted Cruz. Twitter users said Dr. King would be rolling over in his grave at Mitch McConnell's hypocrisy. Okay. um, Now someone else on Twitter said, keep MLK's name out your mouth since you and your party have done more to obstruct his dream from coming to pass than any other source. Okay, so read the rest of this also. Uh, Somebody else said, you spent your entire life undoing his work. So read this piece here from independent.co.uk. McConnell bombarded with criticism over voting rights stance after posting Martin Luther King Day tribute. What the hell kind of tribute is that? Okay, now then you had um, this piece here from, there was one from, uh, which one was this? There was one about, Kirsten Cinema, because I didn't think she was going to be dumb enough to actually uh, post on social media about Dr. King after she's refusing to budge on filibuster reform. But she's dumb enough. She's dumber than I thought. I mean, she makes she makes dumb blondes look like Rhodes Scholars. She's so stupid. Uh, this piece here. Okay, which one is this? Okay, there's one from Newsweek. Uh, McCarthy Cinema trolled as tone deaf on voting rights after MLK Remembrance tweets. This one here from uh, Newsweek.com. Let me pull this one up. Okay, McCarthy Cinema, uh, Kevin McCarthy, House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy of California, little slimy, uh, spineless Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy Cinema trolled as tone-deaf over voting rights and MLK remembrance tweets. So social media uh, users called out tone-deaf Uh, politicians were paying tribute to Dr. King on social media while blocking a bill that would expand voting rights. Many, many legislators shared posts honoring Dr. King on Monday in the celebration of his birthday, but some faced scrutiny for their refusal to pass the legislation which has received support from Dr. King's family and civil rights activists and voting rights activists and things like this the bill would expand voting access across the united states and restore restore key provisions to the voting rights act in 1965 that and you needed the voting rights act in 1965 because of what happened in, at the mississippi state convention in 1890 and it took it took 75 years from 1890 to 1965. Okay? When you had the Mississippi State uh convention where they passed when they where they rewrote the state constitution and they and they wrote into the state constitution poll taxes and literacy tests to suppress the African American vote. The white county judge that presided over the uh, convention, his name was Solomon Saladin Calhoun. He said, we came here to exclude the Negro. African Americans were the majority of the population in Mississippi and the majority of the voters in Mississippi. This became known as the Mississippi Plan. Then it became the model throughout the South that was adopted by other Southern states rewriting their state constitutions to suppress the African American vote and lock us out of political power. It allowed us to get voted out of office because we were in um in, in state legislatures and things like this uh, during reconstruction and even after reconstruction there still going to be some of us in state legislatures and political uh, offices okay so this is why you needed a voting rights act of 1965 and if you read this uh, article here if you read this article here um How Jim Crow era laws, and I deal with this in in the online class that I teach, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement of Black Power, 1865 to 1968. We get deep in this because we look at some of the state constitutions. We go through and look to understand how history, law, politics connect. So we go look at some of the state constitutions. We look at some of the Reconstruction era constitutions like the Alabama uh, State Constitution of 1867, the Reconstruction constitution. Then we look at the Alabama state constitution rewritten in 1901 to codify white supremacy after, after reconstruction ended in 1877. So let me uh, pull this up here. Okay. Now this article right here deals with uh, some of this history, how Jim Crow era law suppressed the African-American vote for generations in the wake of the passage of the 15th amendment of 1870 and reconstruction, which in reconstruction is 1865 to 1877, several Southern states enacted laws that restricted black Americans access to voting. So if you don't understand this background history, you won't understand what's taking place now and the uh voter restriction bills that that are being pushed by republicans in uh state legislatures there's over 400 voter restriction bills states have passed 34 uh voter restriction bills and there's more coming now also at the same time and that's the Brennan Center for Justice reporting on that at the same time democrats in 25 states have passed laws making it easier to vote but you have republicans that control about 31 30 or 31 of the state legislatures okay so in 25 states 62 uh in 25 states 62 uh uh in, in um let me see hold no you have um Republicans control about 30 of the state legislatures okay but in 25 states Democrats have been pushing and they've gotten uh 62 new bills passed to make it easier to vote. But the critical bills to watch are the ones that are being passed to suppress the vote, especially in these 19 states like Georgia, Texas, uh, Alabama, Mississippi, things like this. At the 18, uh, okay, so they talk about the 1890 Mississippi State Convention. Then they go through and they deal with uh, literacy tests, uh, anti-literacy laws in many Southern states, made it illegal to teach enslaved people to read. In 1880, according to the U.S. Bureau of Census, 76% of Southern African Americans were illiterate. In 1880, according to the U.S. Bureau of Census, the Census Bureau, 76% of Southern African Americans were illiterate. A rate of 55% points or percentage points greater that for southern white people so literacy tests became a way to get around the 15th amendment that guaranteed the right to vote for african-american men literacy tests and poll taxes became ways to get around this and then in the u.s supreme court case of williams versus mississippi 1898 that challenged the poll taxes and literacy tests the u.s supreme court ruled that the poll taxes and literacy tests did not violate the 15th amendment to the u.s constitution so they, so the U.S. Supreme Court said it was legal to do this. Now, in 1900, 50% of voting age African-American men could not read in 1900, compared to 12% of voting age white men. These disparities made literacy tests one of the most effective tools at suppressing the African-American vote. The voting clerks who were always white and the, the registrars, the voting clerks, things like this, could all could all could also pass or fail a person at their discretion based on race. A lot of a lot of the voting clerks were functionally illiterate as well. A lot of them couldn't pass these tests. Illiterate white people were often excluded from these literacy tests through the use of grandfather clauses. Now, the grandfather clause was first introduced in 1898 by Louisiana. And that's written into the Louisiana state constitution. The grandfather clause stated that if your grandfather prior to 1867 could vote, then you could vote. Okay, now 1867 is two years after the Civil War ends. Okay, so if your grandfather was African American, good chance he was a slave. At that time, you know, prior to 1867. Good chance he was enslaved. So and good chance he couldn't vote. So if it so if your grandfather could not vote prior to 1867, okay, then that means you can't vote. This was the grandfather clause that was used by Louisiana and then adopted by other southern states as well as a way to get around the 15th Amendment. So illiterate white people were often excluded from these literacy tests through the use of, through the use of grandfather clauses, which which tied their voting rights to their grandfathers before the civil war. Former slaves who had no voting rights until the 15th amendment could obviously not benefit from this provision the grandfather clause also applied to poll taxes, which was, a, which was a tax that you had to pay to register to vote. The grandfather clause also applied to poll taxes, which were another measure created by white dominated Southern legislatures to suppress the black vote. So they're rewriting the state constitutions in the South to impose these voter suppression measures. This is why you needed a Voting Rights Act in 1965 to make all of that stuff illegal. So then they talk about poll taxes. Um then they go through and talk about all white primaries, like in Texas. And that was and, and that led to the US Supreme Court case nineteen forty four, uh Smith versus all- right And uh and, and that lawsuit was filed by uh, Thurgood Marshall. When literacy tests, poll taxes, grandfather clauses, and many other ways to circumvent the 15th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution did not work to suppress black voter turnout like, like they wanted it to, it, it suppressed black voter turnout, but still it, it, not as much as they wanted it to in, in, in many cases. White legislators in several southern states used all white primaries white legislators in several Southern states used all white primaries to all but eliminate black voters presence in the electoral process. In Texas, for example, and we see Texas pass their critical race theory law because they wanna suppress the teaching of this type of history. In Texas, for example, the legislature gave the Democratic Party the authority to set his own rules, the state legislature in Texas, the party determined that it was for white voters only. The party determined it was for white voters only, excluding African-Americans from its elections and effectively making local electoral politics dominated by one party that upheld Jim Crow laws. After a white election official blocked an African-American man named Lonnie E. Smith, the right to vote in the 1940 Texas Democratic primary, the NAACP's Thurgood Marshall, and William H. Hasty challenged the case all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. In 1944, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Smith versus Allwright that the Texas white primary system was unconstitutional. Quote, the right to vote in a primary for the nomination of candidates without discrimination by the state is a right secured by the US Constitution the US Supreme Court said in its 8-1 decision in smith smith versus all right 1944 then it goes and talks about the voting rights act and why you needed the voting rights act in 1965 okay then it deals with shelby county shelby county versus holder 2013 US Supreme Court case that we talked about uh Last Friday when I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered and on our Sunday show, uh, our Sunday, uh, January 16th show. I played a segment from Roland Martin Unfiltered because Roland uh, interviewed uh, Representative James Clyburn, as well as Reverend William Barber on on that show. And I I shared an excerpt um, from our Sunday show. So go back and watch the Sunday show, January 16th. But in Shelby County versus Holder, the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, Shelby County is in Alabama. The holder they were suing was Attorney General Eric Holder at the time. Alabama was ground zero for the fight for the 1965 Voting Rights Act, the Selma to Montgomery march. Montgomery is the capital of Alabama. Okay, so all this deals with Alabama. And you go back and read the uh, Alabama State Constitution of 1901 that they said was written to codify white supremacy. In 2013, the U.S. Supreme Court walked back Part of the Voting Rights Act, when it ruled in a 5-4 vote, that constraints placed on certain states and federal review of states' voting procedures were outdated. In the wake of the Shelby County Holder decision, several states have enacted laws limiting voter access, including ID requirements, limits on early voting, mail-in voting, and more. But also what they did was restricted the number of polling places. Also, what they did was restricted the number of polling places. So in the 2016 presidential election, which was Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton, there were 868 fewer polling places. Because one of the things they did within 24 hours, the Shelby County versus Holder U.S. Supreme Court decision taking place which is why presidential elections are so important, because presidents nominate Supreme Court justices and why U.S. Uh, Senate races are so important, because it's the U.S. Senate that confirms Supreme Court justices as well as federal judges. But in uh, after Shelby County versus Holder, within 24 hours, start, state, start, uh, state started passing new voter ID laws to suppress the vote. Then they started shutting down polling places and polling places. And uh, uh, the majority of the polling places they shut down were in areas that had higher uh, African-American populations and Hispanic populations. So if we look at the piece from uh, the nation dot com that Ari uh, Ari Berman wrote November 4th, 2016, which was four days before the November 8th, 2016 presidential election. And I talked about all this at the time on my radio show because I was covering the um, presidential election horror because I saw what was coming. I was warning people about Donald Trump. People thought this was about one person versus another. I said, no, this is about the trajectory of this country. And I, and I talked about what was at stake. State I dealt with the Supreme Court, federal courts, all different types of things like this. I warned people about Trump. People didn't listen. A lot of people didn't listen there are 868 fewer places to vote in 2016 because the supreme court gutted the voting rights act of 1965 nearly half of the counties that previously approved voting changes with the federal government have cut polling places this election so this contributes to longer lines this contributes to people being discouraged and and getting out of line and going home and not wanting to go vote Okay. So read this, read this piece here from 2016 by Ari Berman for the nation. And this deals with 868 fewer polling places. So then you go and look at uh, the article from Mother Jones. Um, Then you go look at the article from Mother Jones. And you look at this one right here. More than 1,600 polling places have closed since the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act. More than 1,600 polling places have closed uh, since the Supreme Court uh, gutted the Voting Rights Act. Now this article is from uh, September 10th, 2019. Most of them in minority communities. Most of them in minority communities. This is by Matt Cohen for, uh, Mother Jones. And then go read this article. This deal, and that this is tied to Shelby County versus Holder once again. U.S. Supreme Court decision. For, uh, in 2013, the Supreme Court gutted the core provision That is the core provision of the Voting Rights Act, the requirement for certain states with a history of voter discrimination to pre-clear changes in their election rules with the federal government. For decades, the 1965, 1965 law helped secure the right to vote for hundreds of thousands of people in nine states as what well, so these were nine states that, that that had a history of putting obstacles in the way of the 15th Amendment, so, former Confederate states, former Southern those Southern, a Lot of Southern states, as well as certain certain jurisdictions in six other states, which had a history of discrimination against minority voters. But in the 5-4 decision in Shelby County versus Holder. The court ruled that the coverage formula for determining those jurisdictions subject to pre-clearance was outdated and therefore unconstitutional. The consequence of the Shelby County decision, the consequences of the Shelby County decision were immediate. States that had previously fallen under the jurisdiction of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 immediately passed tough voter restriction laws and restructured election systems. They started passing laws within 24 hours of that decision being made from the U.S. Supreme Court. So read the rest of this uh, article also. Report more than 1,600 polling places have closed since the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act. Most of them are in minority com- are in minority communities. Hotep, everybody, this is Michael M. Hotep from the African History Network. Our Kwanzaa Online History Course Bundle Pack is on on right now. We have a fantastic promotion for you. Get our bundle pack of two online history courses that I teach, as well as my 15 lecture downloadable bundle, African History Awakens the African Mind from Mental Death. These are both from me, Michael M. Hotep. My first online history class is ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Kemet is one of the original names for Egypt. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles. There's about 100 articles that we cover in the class, over 200 slides that I put together as well. The, and there are also video clips, including excerpts of interviews I've done with some of our historians and scholars, as well as Renoka Rashidi, Professor James Small, Anthony Browder, Professor Kabahiawatha Kamane, and Dr. David M. Hotel. In the second class that I teach, it's called Black Resistance Movements from the Haitian Revolution. The U.S. Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, and Black Power Movement, 1800 to 1968. And we dig in deep and look at history chronologically from 1800 to 1968 and look at what leads to the Civil War taking place. We study the Jim Crow era, the Reconstruction Era, 1865 to 1877, World War I, World War II, Civil Rights Movement, Black Power Movement. This cell has been extended to Sunday, January 14th, 2024. And be sure to join us for our next class, Saturday, January 14th, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The content of these courses is PG-13, so you can use this with your children as well. It's not overly graphic. I don't do a lot of cursing or anything like that. It's very visual. We also have video clips, so it's very engaging. Be sure to listen to the African History Network show Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Visit our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, for more information. And if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, whether it's for Dr. King Day, whether it's for African American History Month, Juneteenth, etc. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can contact me through the website or email me at ahnshow@AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. at Remember, right now it's corrects wrong behavior. It's not over till we win Wakanda forever, and we'll see you in class. Uh, also, if you'd like to stop in for information, you support the African History Network, download sign, the AHN Show, through Cash App dollar sign the AHN Show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me, forward slash the AHN Show. So let's keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills. All right, we have to get out of here. Remember, right now, it's correct strong behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll kind of forever. And we'll talk to you next time. Peace.